folks overshoot. So they go for sort of the aspirational CRO yeah. who's done it way bigger. Maybe they've done 200 million plus in revenue, but they're only at 10. Yeah. Those folks are going to fail out because they're going to get so frustrated because you're not going to have the infrastructure. Infrastructure. So you want somebody who has had to put the infrastructure in place that needs to be put in place. And, you know, really like seeking somebody who might be more of a stretch candidate or who has commanded that much revenue, but maybe not in a CRO title Mm -hmm. is probably a better way to go. So like focus less on the title, focus more on functionally what that person has done. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma. And I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show live edition in Austin, Texas at SaaStock USA. Um, Really delighted to be joined today by uh, Stevie Case, who is the CRO at Vanta. Uh, Welcome, Stevie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, no, thanks for coming to the inaugural SaaS Doc uh, USA. Uh, it's only the morning, um, uh, but, you know, we've had some great sessions today, you know, great vibes, around about sort of eight, 800 people here from 25 different countries. So a bit of an in- international event. Um, I'm really excited about uh, Austin becoming the home for SaaS Doc in the, in the US. If you, if you had to pick a city, you know, for your own conference, like where, where would you go? I, well, I think you made an excellent choice. Yeah. And it just so happens that I had to do that. We did our, our own uh, big kickoff for our go-to-market team just yeah. a couple of months ago, and we did it in Austin. Oh. So great choice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, I, won't, I can't take all the credit. The team, the team <laughs> did look. But we, do you know, actually, last year, well, how did we end up in Austin? Do you know what we did? We asked our customers, and we spoke to them, and we got a short list, and it was Austin, Miami, and Nashville. We drilled that down, and you know, Austin came out as the winner and um, <clears throat> I think for the right reasons. It's, uh, it's a magical town. Yeah. You've got great barbecue, great food, good vibes, there's music, there's art, there's culture. It's what's, a great town. What's not to love? Yeah. But Stevie, um, we know a little bit about Austin now, a bit more. But what about you? Uh, you know, who is Stevie Case? Oh my goodness. Uh, so I'm the CRO, the Chief Revenue Officer at Vanta, Series mm-hmm. B company. Um, aside from that, as a human, I live in the Bay Area. I'm mom to a 19-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Graduating uh, tomorrow. Graduating tomorrow. Big day. This is a milestone uh, yeah. to get her through high school. is just huge. Um, and I'm a single mom, have been for a long time. So mm-hmm. I feel like very proud of myself as well. Yeah. Like very we've cool. made it. Congrats. Uh, thank you. And yeah, I've got a kind of weird, interesting backstory and yeah. how I came to tech. I actually started in tech as a professional video gamer. I was the okay. world's first female pro gamer way back wow. in the day. And that led me from what was supposed to be a career in law mm-hmm. and constitutional law into technology. And it was not planned, but here I am. Very cool. Uh, well, you've got something in common with our director of sales, who also used to be a pro gamer, and he loves to tell that story uh, Oh, there's a lot of us. There's a lot. You know, it's funny if you talk to founders, a lot of founders are gamers, either in their in their origin story or in their background. CEO of Shopify is a big gamer. Like there's a lot of us out there. And I think truly even so I'm a CRO now. I think of the CRO job a lot like it's a lot like a game. It's resource allocation. It's math. 
it's strategy, it's people, it's, yeah. it's a lot of the same elements. Yeah, uh, very cool. And, and, and so uh, tell us a little bit about Vanta to the CRO there, but what is Vanta, what does it do? Uh, and what's the founding story? Why, why was it created? Yeah, so we have such a cool uh, CEO founder who created a market where there was not. So Vanta today is a trust management platform and our origin was in automated compliance. So our founder, her name's Christina Cassiopo, uh, just brilliant founder, uh, history in VC, a history as a product manager. She had built products herself in the past. She was actually the PM on Dropbox Paper and in that experience of being a product manager, she had to bring products to market. And one of the things she encountered is that as she tried to bring products to market within a big company at Dropbox, uh, suddenly one day legal showed up and knocking at her door and said, hey, uh, I know you're giving this to our existing customers under their current contract, but like, are you SOC 2 compliant? Are you, like, do you understand the contractual obligations that we have in place? And we don't think you meet them. And you know, she went off to diligently Google SOC 2 and understand what even is that. And in that process realized what a lot of folks building SaaS realized, which is there are a lot of burdens around being compliant and showing that you are securing customer data and that really customers and folks buying your software can trust your software. So it was around the same time of the Equifax breach. There was a lot of buzz in the market about data security. And so she started very simply by building literally a spreadsheet that helped other software builders figure out, like, what do I need to do to be SOC 2 compliant, ISO 27001 compliant? And she showed that to other founders and said, hey, is this helpful? And they're like, oh my gosh, I would pay just for the spreadsheet. <laughs> she thought, okay, there's something here. I ended up building into that an automated platform that helps people building SaaS to uh, build it in a compliant and secure way right out of the gate. So we work with tons of founders. We have grown tremendously since then, founded in 2018. We are now 350 people, Series B backed by Sequoia and Kraft and YC among others. Um, just a great, huge rocket ship of a company. And it's all from this concept that she created from scratch a few years ago. Awesome, and, and why did you join? And you know, what's the recruitment story there? So how, how does, uh, I, I guess, for the for the listeners, you know, we could impart some takeaways into how to recruit a CRO for your company. How it happened with you? Oh my goodness! I think it's really unique, right? There are there are really CRO is a little bit of a new concept, and I, I find there are two varieties of CRO roles. There's the sort of VP Sales Plus who just owns sales and really owns like new revenue only. And then there's a more holistic CRO that owns much more or all things go to market. And going into this, frankly, like I, I don't even think that distinction was clear uh, to me and certainly to a lot of the folks I talked to. So I think one is getting clear on like, what, what are you actually seeking to solve? Do you want somebody to drive new sales or do you want someone who's going to help you drive strategy and go to market and think about all of the metrics that matter in the growth of the business? For me, I was a VP of sales at Twilio. And I was running the mid-market business at Twilio. So Twilio at that time, I had been there six years. 
I started around the time of IPO, 200 million in revenue. When I was popping my head up, I was six years in, we were three and a half billion in revenue. So just meteoric growth mm. in that time. The business I was running was about a $450 million business at Twilio. So, you know, lots had changed in the market. I decided to peek my head up and see what was out there. There was a lot of exciting stuff getting built. And I actually ended up talking to the talent teams at some of the top tier VC firms to start. And one of those happened to be Sequoia. Mm -hmm. I talked to the talent team there and I told them, you know, I am looking for a CRO role. I want to join a company that's post product market fit, has just a lot of growth and is looking for somebody to help them scale. Mm -hmm. I learned how to run scale at Twilio. I want to help a company scale. And I want to work with a really killer founder, somebody who is uh, in it to win it and like genuine and authentic and not super cynical, mm -hmm. really like deeply cares about what they're doing. And so Vanta was one of the companies on the list. And very quickly, I talked to a recruiter the next day. I talked to Christina, the CEO founder, the next day after that. And we just completely hit it off. And it was a quick process from there. It was mm -hmm. still, market was super hot. Mm -hmm. So things were moving quickly. But we just had this like multi-week courtship. Yep. And I think truly, if you want to recruit a great CEO, CRO, it's, it doesn't typically look like a traditional interview process. It, it is going to be a, a lot more about that mutual fit. Can mm -hmm. you build that trust? Do you think about business and life the same way? And we found we really clicked. So let's talk a little bit about um, you know, what a CRO does, right? And kind of like diving into that. So when does a company need a CRO in your opinion? You know, it really depends on the company. So for me, coming into Vanta, the mandate was a, a couple of things. One was, okay, we've got great up into the right growth. Company is still growing. Revenue's coming in the door. But it was clear that we were at that moment of needing to lay the foundation for true scale. So... Uh, the reason it made sense at Vanta, and initially I just took on, took on sales, there was a sales team. There was no segmentation. There wasn't really a lot of differentiation. There wasn't a lot of methodology in the sales process. So it was clear that structure would set Vanta up for that next part of the journey. Mm -hmm. So that journey past 100 million in ARR to a billion, that was what they were looking to accomplish. And so in that initial set of months, I had sales and the mission was let's set this up. So we suddenly had a lot of ankle biter competitors as well. Let's set this thing up to really continue to scale so things don't slow down. We can keep growth going, doubling year over year. That was mission one. Then I've gotten deeper into the business. So now I own everything uh, broadly go to market. So I actually have sales and that looks like a lot of different things now. Mm -hmm. We've got different, we've got a SMB team, a mid-market team, a strategic team, an enterprise team. I also have customer success and implementation and onboarding mm -hmm. and growth marketing as well, as well as revenue operations. So I've got the entire revenue machine. And now I'm thinking about all of those core metrics that matter to the business. So I, I wasn't tallying that up, but was, was that something like eight or nine direct reports that you've got? Or? It's varied. It just, just went from 11 to nine. Okay, so yeah. it's, it's a big crew. Do they say, or do they, maybe they say like uh, more than seven, it becomes a little bit difficult. Yes. So. Yeah. But. It's, you know, we're at that point where uh, my directs, I need them to be pretty self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. These are all really talented senior leaders yeah. who know their disciplines really well. But part of what I am working on to build the scale at Vanta is yeah. to put senior leaders over, like revenue operations yeah. is a great example. I actually don't have a head of revenue operations right now. So I've got all the disparate functions of RevOps reporting to me. Yeah. 
So I'm hiring a leader for that RevOps team yeah. who's going to be a strategic partner to me. And, and you, I, I would imagine, but correct me if I'm wrong, are reporting into Christina. Yes, yeah? that's correct. And so how often do you report into and what does that look like? Obviously, without sharing like the... The, the details, yeah. but you, you know, what does it look like reporting into the CEO? I mean, it, it, that was critical to me. I wanted to have that tight partnership. Yeah. And Christina is a lot of what brought me to Vanta because I think yeah. she's brilliant. She is such a smart, strategic, pragmatic leader. Yeah. So, you know, we talk basically every day. Yeah. So we have a very tight relationship. Uh, you know, what it looks like really is I am rolling up a revenue forecast for the business on a weekly basis. I'm reporting that both to Christina and our full leadership team for yeah. visibility. So that is all of the metrics for the business. So new sales, new logo sales, it's uh, our retention metrics, it's expansion, it's all of the core important metrics. Um, we have recently hired an incredible CFO. Yeah. He is now my right-hand partner in all of this. So he and I are iterating on like great terms and how do we define, you know, best in class. So like that relationship is super tight. But, you know, Christina and I really, we talk every day, but we also seek to carve out time that's not super scheduled. So whether that's going out to dinner catching breakfast together, like talking off hours, I actually find that our our most productive work is the stuff that isn't scheduled. It's a, we have a team happy hour and then she and I hang out for four hours talking after the happy hour. It's a, those informal conversations and that relationship has become extremely critical. Very cool. Um, what about, since you've joined uh, sort of Vanta, what are some of the things that you've like implemented and brought to the business? Maybe a couple of like, lessons and things that you can share there? Yeah, there there have been a few. One was, okay, so we've got a lot of ankle biter competitors. Yeah. We had a lot of copycats come on the scene. This thing Christina created had huge demand yeah. and folks saw that. So they went and tried to build copies. One of the things that we had to figure out how to do was how do we face that? Because a lot of times copycats and ankle biters come on the scene and they are going to underprice. That's strategy one. Like They'll say, we've got the same thing, but it's half the price. And, you know, a lot of people will go for that. So facing that, I, I implemented a couple of key things that have really moved the needle. One was we moved to uh, a value-based selling methodology. So in the old days, there was a lot of inbound demand. Generally, folks were coming to us. They knew what we did. They understood the value. They already knew they wanted to get their SOC 2 done or deal with ISO 27001. So... As we had to expand more quickly and face those competitors, we had to really nail our value-based messaging. So it was a whole new methodology, a new discovery framework for the sales team. That was sort of mission number one. Mission number two was, you know, everybody was dealing with competitive pressure. We wanted to centralize a function that was focused on just winning versus this very aggressive competitive force. So we built this team called the CIA team. It was the Competitive Intelligence Agency. And it was three sellers, and their job was to know the competition's products inside and out, and both prospect and try to rip and replace from competitors, but then also to consult, whether it was in renewals or new deals, they would come in if it was a competitive deal to consult on those deals. That ended up being one of the most important things we did to build confidence, and it totally turned the tide because we had people dedicated to it. We had this dedicated kill squad, and they were just out to win versus the competition, and it rebuilt confidence across the entire team. So if, um, 
SaaS founders are listening to this, which uh, 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 they will be, and they're thinking about hiring a CRO, how would you recommend they go about that sort of process? Like, what are the things to kind of think about? Yeah, I think that you really need to be thoughtful in that you don't want to just go for a name with good logos. You're going to want to look for somebody that has solved the problems that you're going to need to solve in the next mm -hmm. two years. So, you know, you want to look for somebody that's done a similar run of revenue. So if you're going mm -hmm. 10 to 50 million, yeah. you want somebody that's seen like 10 to 50 million. Yeah. You want generally somebody who understands the dynamics of the type of sale you've got. I think one thing I see often happen is uh, folks overshoot. So they go for sort of the aspirational CRO yeah. who's done it way bigger. Maybe they've done 200 million plus in revenue, but they're only at 10. Yeah. Those folks are going to fail out because they're going to get so frustrated because you're not going to have the infrastructure. Infrastructure. So you want somebody who has had to put the infrastructure in place that needs to be put in place, and you know, really like seeking somebody who might be more of a stretch candidate or who has commanded that much revenue but maybe not in a CRO title mm -hmm. is probably a better way to go. Yep. So like focus less on the title, focus more on functionally what that person has done. Yeah, no, good advice there. And, and, and let's move into the quick-ish uh, fire round. Uh, um, oh, I called Christina, Stevie. Uh, <laughs> We're interchangeable yeah. at this point, honestly. <laughs> um, what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? Oh my goodness. So I had an incredible mentor at Twilio. Mm -hmm. And his name was George Hu. George was the COO at Twilio. And he was the COO at Salesforce before that. He was sort of Mark Benioff's right hand. And it was George that changed the trajectory of my career. Mm -hmm. And he came to Twilio, um, like I had only been there six months. There was a very small sales team built on top of this PLG machine. And you know, he came in as this, like very high level COO, but what I loved about George is he would get in the field, he would go on sales calls, he would just sit in sales meetings. And he and I developed good rapport really quickly. And that partnership completely transformed my career because he was the kind of guy that would just challenge and ask questions, mm -hmm. but he was very open to me challenging and asking questions too. And it was from him I learned this math-based model for how you operate a company at scale. Mm -hmm. So like the methodology, the thinking about how the metrics of SaaS works, mm -hmm. uh, what matters, how you can uh, like adapt along the way as a company scale. So mm -hmm. he took us from that like 200, 250 million to 3 billion. And he gave me great exposure in that. And he would really like challenge me in ways that were deeply uncomfortable, but he would give me exposure. And, and the education I got through that partnership, he ne we never called it a formal mentor relationship. He was just open to talking to me. And those conversations gave me that knowledge that put me in a seat where I could be a CRO. I, th I think we need to do uh, a whole separate podcast on this model. Yes. Uh, and that would be uh, very interesting to go, go deep on that. Um, um, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, it, it probably does uh, come back to that time at Twilio. And it was advice that George gave in one form, but I had a, an incredible uh, leader that I worked for there, Alison Welch. And she helped open my eyes to the fact that if you want to advance up in your career, if you want to advance up the ladder, you want to continue to be promoted, 
it's not just about being good at your current job, mm-hmm. that you have to have a level of both empathy and understanding for what your manager's job is. And the more you can understand up that chain what each person is responsible for, what they're trying to accomplish and help them get there, the more likely they are to pull you with them. Because the truth is, like, I'm in a CRO role now. My job is so deeply different. I've got different metrics, different goals, different levers to pull than even one layer below me. And the folks who are one layer below me that understand what those lovers are and can help me pull them, even if it's not in their immediate best interest in that moment, like if you're a sales leader, you know, there may be something that's better for the company that you can help accomplish. That's the kind of stuff you've got to develop that like broader mindset about the business that goes beyond your personal self-interest. And that's hard for salespeople and sales leaders because you're so used to like, I have my quota, I do what makes my quota. But broadening my perspective, she changed the game for me. Um, what's the biggest failure you've made in lesson learned? So many. <laughs> like, you know, I talked to a CRO friend not that long ago, and uh, we, were, we were doing, we called it CRO therapy in the back of a conference, because it's, you know, truly, uh, the thing I find about this job is it requires a tremendous amount of confidence because you're making bets all the time based on incomplete data. And, you know, so much of what you do depends on not just what's going on in your business, but what's going on in the market, trends, like things you don't have control or even full insight into. So it's easy to make mistakes. The key is to just identify them and learn from them. So, you know, one of the mistakes that I made uh, early on, so Vanta is a great example. You know, we have an incredible SMB business. We sell to small companies, to founders. And on joining, the advice I got was this is an SMB business, double down, hire a bunch more SMB salespeople. And we did that that did not turn out to be the right decision whatsoever because two months later, the market shifted. Uh, We saw a huge opportunity up market in mid-market and even in enterprise, like metrics in our own business shifted. And you look back six months later and it was like, oh my gosh, if I could go back, that was not the right profile of seller that we should have hired more of. We should have hired a little more upmarket. Um, we should have uh, like thought about scale differently. We should have invested more in tools. So like that profile turned out to be the wrong one. It made sense, but you know all we can do now is do our best to like recalibrate, learn, pay attention, and don't let pride get in the way of recalibrating. Like you've got to just take the lumps and say, yep that was incorrect and now I'm going to go another direction. Um, What do you think is currently the hardest thing about scaling in 2023? Everything's hard about scaling in 2023. This is not an easy market for anyone. You know, we're really lucky. We're at this like apex of a market in security compliance that people are still buying in and we're a tool that makes people more efficient. So we've been really lucky. We're still growing. But even at Vanta, we're still doubling year over year. The expectation from the market, from investors, is that we do that dramatically more efficiently than we ever did in the past. So I think that we are exiting this decade-long push to just grow by adding capacity in the business, by literally adding bodies to something very different. And it requires rethinking how and where we invest, what type of sales motion you deploy, 
how people even want to buy. Like one of the big shifts right now is everybody you sell to, even in a small business, you've got to articulate the value way more clearly because almost nobody's writing and approving that check themselves now. They're going to have a CFO in the room. They're going to have a co-founder. Somebody else is going to put scrutiny on the check. So just the level of thoughtfulness has to be much higher. So for me, what that looks like is I am doubling down on technology investments that will help be, uh, help us uh, get more leverage and be more efficient. I am like really getting much more thoughtful about hiring. We're hiring more slowly, but when we do, we're actually hiring more senior folks and less junior folks. So it's just like you almost have to reassess every element of your business and think, does this make sense now? And don't let the flash of some companies who look like they're still hiring like crazy blind you. Like the world is very different and those who don't recalibrate will suffer. Stevie, as we come to the end of the show, uh, if people listening want to reach out to you and find you online, where, where can they find you? LinkedIn is the best place. I am on LinkedIn. I post a lot there. I'm super active. Love to connect with people. So Stevie Case on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Stevie Case, CRO at Vanto. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDoc conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.